0: And share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today.
1: We've been preaching through a series called the Beatitudes, and uh, today we come to uh, Blessed Are the Peacemakers. So I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Also, inside your bulletin are some sermon notes. Well, Matthew 5, verse 9 reads as follows. Beatitude number 7. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? The sons of God. At this juncture of our study, there's a seismic shift in the Beatitudes. The first six uh, that we've already looked at. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed those who hunger and thirst for Righteousness blessed are the merciful and blessed are the pure in heart. These are mostly dealing with who you are, who God expects you to be. But when we come to this seventh beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, it's something that God expects us to do. He expects us to be peacemakers. Now there's a couple of reasons why God desires that. One, is peace is elusive. Everywhere you look, all we see in our world is division and strife and arguing and conflict in our homes, in our families, in the news outlets, in our country and around the world. No one seems to be at peace. The second reason he calls us to be peacemakers is because you can't buy it. Peace is not found in a bottle. It's not found in a bank account. It's not found on a shelf. There's a mall in Minneapolis, Minnesota called the Mall of America. How many of you, raise your hand if you've ever been in that mall, raise your hand, quite a few of you. That mall is said to be the largest mall in the country. It has 4.2 million square feet. It contains 330 stores. There are restaurants and nightclubs. There's an amusement park inside the mall. It is so big, it is equivalent to 88 football fields. It employs 10,000 people, and there are 40 million visitors to that mall every year. But there is one thing at that mall you cannot buy, and that is peace. Because it's elusive and because it's a commodity that you cannot purchase, God has commissioned us, the church, all of us, in His new kingdom, according to His new rules, that you and I are to be peacemakers because it's something that the world is in desperate need of. So where do we learn about peace? How do we become peacemakers? Well, it begins by looking at the Word of God. Because as you read through the Word of God, you will notice that throughout the entire New Testament, there's a theme of peace. There are 27 books in the New Testament. Each and every one of those 27 books contain the word peace. And I want you to know that at the very beginning of Jesus' life, when He was born in Bethlehem, according to Luke chapter 2, when Jesus was born, the Bible says, That there was a choir of angels that appeared and said to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men to whom his favor rests." Then you go throughout the life of Christ at the end of his ministry, right before he goes to the cross in John chapter 14, he says to his followers, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. As you read through the rest of the New Testament, most of Paul's letters, almost every letter that Paul wrote, he has this familiar phrase, grace and peace to you. Now we know, besides the Bible talking about peace, that the devil has come to create havoc and destruction throughout the entire world. So no wonder Jesus in this seventh beatitude challenges each of us to become agents of peace to help make peace in this world. I want to give you four things about what it means to be a peacemaker. How to become a peacemaker. Number one in your notes. A peacemaker is someone who has first made peace with God themselves. All peace begins with you knowing Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that the only way that anyone can ever have peace with God is by having a personal relationship with jesus christ the bible says in romans 5 1 therefore since we have been justified through our faith we now have peace with god through our lord jesus christ it's easy to explain you go all the way back to the to the beginning of the of the bible the story of adam and eve when adam and eve were created everything was perfect they lived in paradise. There was no war, no hatred, no fighting, no, no, they didn't have any marriage problems. Can someone say amen? Uh, There, there was no turmoil of any kind until sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into this world, it ruined everything. Man is now living under a curse. Every man on this planet lives underneath the curse. Every woman on this planet lives underneath the curse. Because of sin. And from that day to today, man has been at war with God and at war with one another. Now, according to James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, all wars, all conflict comes from within. James 4 1 says, What is it? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, we like to blame everything and everybody except ourselves. But James says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Verse 2 reads, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you cannot have what you want. And so you quarrel and you fight. America is number one in violent crime. We are number one in divorce. We are number one in illegal drugs. We are number 1 in teenage pregnancies. We are number 1 in abortion. We do not have economic peace, we don't have religious peace, we don't have social peace, we don't have racial peace, we don't have family peace, we don't have inner peace, and you know why? It's because we do not know Jesus Christ. You, you one person clapping right over here. Thank you. My mother, thank you, Mom, for that. No, 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 no. You've all seen this t shirt. You've all seen this somewhere. And if you look at just the the white letters, you see the word N O. And if there's no Jesus in your life, then there's no peace in your life. Now, if you know Christ, if you know Jesus, then you know what peace is all about. And I just want you to know that that's not just a slogan on a t shirt that that is actually scriptural according to colossians 1 verse 20 jesus reconciled to himself all things whether things on earth or things up in heaven how did he do that the bible says by making peace through his blood that was shed on the cross in other words our sins and the conflicts within us the evil desires that are within us because of all of that there is no peace Yet Jesus, He goes to the cross and He sheds His blood for an atonement for our sin. So we no longer have to live in this broken relationship with God. And it's because of the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ that we can ever experience true peace. You cannot be a peacemaker unless you yourself have peace. And you cannot have peace if you do not know Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 14 for he himself is our peace number two write this down a peacemaker is someone who makes peace with one another with one another as Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers some of us are peace fakers (laughs) you know what a peace faker is that's someone who's just at war with everyone, they get upset all the time. Everything bothers them. Oh, they come to church and they look okay, but inside their heart, they're, they're, it's, a, it's all a fake because they're angry and they're upset and they have uh, people that they don't like, people they don't care for, people they don't get along with. So we have peace fakers and then we have peace breakers. These are people who like causing all the problems. Some of you think that this beatitude reads, blessed are the troublemakers, because that's what we do half the time. Some of us are peace fakers, some of us are peace breakers, but Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. I want to ask, how many of you know someone who's just difficult to get along with? You know someone like that. How many of you are sitting next to that person right now? This guy went to the, to the, to the uh, doctor's office. He had a mole here right, uh, right underneath his jaw, right here on his neck. And he just wanted to get it checked. And he walks in. There's a nurse. She was upset all the time. She go, he goes, I need to get this, this mole checked out. The nurse goes, go down the hall, third door on the right, take your clothes off and sit down. And he looks at this lady like, lady, I just got this little mole. I just need to see if it's a go down the hall, third door on the right, take your clothes off and sit down. And you know, he he started to argue with her. He said, I don't don't need it, I I just need to see someone who can look at this. And she says, I told you, go down the hall, third door on the right, take your clothes off and sit down. So he goes down the hall, third door on the right, takes his clothes off and sits down. There's another guy sitting there naked. And he says to this guy, he goes, She's a little rough, isn't she? And the guy responds, tell me about it. I'm just the UPS driver. (laughs) That joke was worth coming to church for right there. You know what the Bible says in Romans 8 9? It says that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. God has called us to be His hands and His feet. He's called us to be His voice of compassion. He's called us to be the builder of bridges. I was listening to Joe Biden speak the other day, and and I'm just telling you, I was trying to listen to see if I could really understand what he was talking about. (laughs) He was speaking to the United Nations, which is the body that represents everyone in the world. And I said, I'm going to listen listen and see if I can really listen and see what he's saying. And uh, in the middle of his speech to the United Nations, broadcast around the world, he says these words that his administration, that he, his administration, the United States, that we're going to work to bring peace to the world. Now, when he said that, I thought to myself a couple of things. One is, you are not going to bring peace to the world. I thought that. Because every president has made that promise. And every president has failed in that promise. The next president is going to make that same promise. And the next president is going to fail in that promise. Because there is no peace in the world. That was my first thought. My second thought was this. It's not the job of the president to make peace in the world. It's not the job of politicians to make peace in the world. It's not the job of kings or the United Nations or any diplomat. God has placed the calling of bringing peace to those of us who are Christians. It's our job, not His job. Romans 12 18 says, If it's possible, now I know sometimes it just seems like it's not possible but if it is possible as far as it depends on you the other party might not ever cooperate but as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone romans fourteen nineteen says let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace
0: it's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day we exist only by our faithful partners That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today.
2: We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Deadly Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything.
3: It was tough in the 80s growing up. Um in all over South Central Los Angeles, a lot of gang activity, a lot of violence. I grew up in a foster home, me and my two sisters in the same home, a single parent home at the time. So we didn't have a lot of money because we were on government assistance because I was a foster child. And it was very known why I ended up in a foster home. Uh, my mother was living a life of crime at the time. She had been on her own since she was 14 years old. And my father was uh, into drug trafficking at the time. A pivotal moment for me was when I learned for the first time that I was actually in a foster home, and that my foster mom was not my biological mother. Uh, My sisters were my half-sisters. At that moment, it changed a lot in my life. I had to be around 10 years old, and at that point, I kept looking outside the window and kept waiting for my mother and my father to come and get me out of the home. I used to fight a lot, because in my neighborhood... You know, that's what we did. We fought, and I was always a quiet kid. And I was at that time in my age, I was 16 years old. I asked God, I said, God, if you're real, I asked him, I said, please show me something different, because I was literally about to leave. And the type of person I was, if I would have left and went to the streets, I would have never came back. Um, I do things 100%. If I was going to be 100% good, I would have been 100% good. But if I was going to go to the streets, then that would have been it for me. And literally God told me three times, and I heard it so clearly. He said, it's not you, it's not you, it's not you. It was one of the few times I did go to church, um, and the pastor was preaching on generational curses. So that stuck with me. That made me feel like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do now if this is true? But again, I went back and I said, no, nah, God, God couldn't have made me just... Just to create me to suffer, it has to be more in life than than just what I'm being told or what I'm seeing and what I'm living, so um, maybe I can change things or at least I'm gonna hang on to see if things change. Another pivotal thing happened in my life uh, my sister Sophia, she was pregnant for the first time with my nephew, and me and her we were best friends. I mean she named him after me um, and I knew the moment he was born, I had to change my life. I had to make sure I was staying on the right path because I wouldn't be surprised if I got a call to have to step in and, you know, have to take care of him. Um, Because, again, this is how this gets passed down, generational, generational. So I had just proposed to my wife, and um, her mother was attending this church for the first time and it was Shepherd Church. And she asked me one day, she was like, would you like to come to church with me? So I agreed to come with her. That particular sermon it was almost as if God was speaking directly to me. For whatever reason, he was preaching on generational curses at that time. So I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, oh, here we go again about this. I've heard this before. But the way he explained it in the scriptures he followed up with it is that Jesus' blessings can overturn any generational curse. And then he starts sharing about Jesus. And to be honest with you, once I read the story of Jesus, it just changed everything for me. About six months later, I end up dedicating my life to Christ. One of the things that I thought that I wouldn't have any more problems or challenges once I accepted the Lord Everything was going fine in my life. I mean, I'm volunteering, I'm having a great time, my life is on track, my my wife and my kids are doing well. And then um, 2007, I got a call that my sister's boyfriend had took her life. And it was hard, I went through a trial for 18 months. Um, But again, because of the church and they had a grieving class that met once a week, um, I attended that, and it was it was perfect for me because sometimes when you lose someone, however you lose them, you lose them, and it 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 hurts you, it breaks you. When I had the funeral for my sister, it was in South Central L.A. and and uh, I'll never forget when I was sitting there when it was about to start, and uh, I saw this uh, tall Caucasian man. <laughs> like 6'4", and it happened to be my pastor with no security, no one but himself, coming down in the heart of South Central Los Angeles. And uh, Pastor Dudley was there, and it made all the difference for me in the world. And I said, okay, this guy's solid. He stands by what he preaches. I felt like Pastor Dudley should be in the household name. He should, everyone should know him because I knew of the impact that he made in my life. And if he can make the impact that he did for South Central foster kid growing up in L.A., that it can make a world of difference only if people heard his teachings and experienced Shepherd Church. So that was my main motivation, is just trying to get us to every way a person can um, hear our messages, phone, uh, Roku, Apple. Um, through TV, through radio, uh, that was my main motivation because people are starving out there. They, they need to hear the word. They need to hear. I love the way Pastor Kelly breaks it down, very practical ways so you can apply it to your everyday life. The impact I've seen is, is quite amazing. Honestly, I don't think I have a, enough words to really share. When someone can be flipping the channel And something that they're going through just speaks, the Word of God just speaks directly to them. To have someone call in, and they're literally in tears because of the message that they heard and was speaking into their life, Um, there's no greater feeling in the world than that. And it shows how the Word of God can penetrate anybody, anyone's background, wherever they are, however they're listening or however they're watching. To know that we're making a difference not just in our community but we are making a difference around the world and there's no greater feeling than that
0: i'm kyle welch we invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up jesus with pastor dudley